this past week as I immersed myself in every scripture that I could find about the Holy Spirit and His work in our lives, I found myself asking, how did I miss this? This is the most incredible truth that I have read. I'm so excited about this. I'm fired up about this, and yet I I find myself convicted about it as well. The Holy Spirit provides for us this incredible, undescribable power in our lives. Why, Dale, don't you avail yourself of this power all of the time, every day, all day? I want to experience that. I want that power working in me and working through me. It's there. It's available. I find myself convicted as well that we don't talk about the Holy Spirit more in this place that we don't teach about it, that we don't preach about it, that it's not a subject of discussion. When it's the greatest gift that Jesus gives to us, the Holy Spirit, we ought to be talking about it all of the time. The Holy Spirit is what makes the difference. There ought to be so much power in the life of every believer Holy Spirit power. It ought to make our lives radically different. Our lives ought to be different from those who do not have the Holy Spirit living inside of them. And it's there for us. What do you think about when I say the Holy Spirit? I have, I have little doubt that there are some people in this room, maybe more than a few, who, like me, were raised in a conservative church, and any time the subject of the Holy Spirit came up, they'd say, now be careful with the Holy Spirit. And it would seem like that we would begin to be taught all of the things that the Holy Spirit does not do. Don't go there. Doesn't do this. That's not a real manifestation of the Holy Spirit, I want you, those of you who are feeling that way, oh no, the pastor's excited about the Holy Spirit, what's going to happen? I want you to rest easy. I know the biblical boundaries that God's Word gives us regarding the Holy Spirit. I have been praying, and I'm going to ask you to join me in praying that God pours out His Spirit on this church. But yet I want you to know that there's nobody that's going to stand up in the middle of the service and say, the Spirit has come upon me and I have a word from the Lord. That's not going to happen here. The Holy Spirit never contradicts the Scripture. It's one of the things that I've learned. He always speaks the truth. The gifts given by the Holy Spirit are always, without exception, used for the common good. He desires that worship, this time that we spend together, be conducted in an orderly fashion. I read from the Scripture that not everybody receives the same gift of the Spirit. Nowhere in the Word of God does it say that if you receive the Holy Spirit, you got to have that gift. Nowhere does it say that. 
I don't want to talk about what he doesn't do. I want us to spend our time this morning talking about what the Holy Spirit does. What the Holy Spirit does is that when He comes into our lives, He makes available to us a supernatural power, listen, that transforms our lives, turns them upside down, changes our lives. When He saves us, He, the Spirit of the living God, the Spirit of the one true God comes to live within us. Think about that. He lives inside of each of us who have become Christians, who have believed, who have by faith received Jesus and His forgiveness. His Spirit lives inside of us. And His Spirit gives us a power to experience and to display love and joy and peace, patience and goodness and kindness, and faithfulness, and perseverance. That's yours. It's a gift. It comes, it flows from within. It flows from the Spirit who lives inside of every believer. And what that means to me is our lives should be different. The fact of the matter is, is that, is that we handle difficulties and problems and challenges in our life the same way the world does. We live beneath our privilege. We have the power of the Holy Spirit within us. We should be experiencing the unexplainable. That ought to be normal in our lives. When the Spirit moves and when the Spirit works, He moves and works in such a way that you can't explain what's going on. Too much of what we do is explainable. I think we, we confuse talents with the gifts the Spirit gives us. We, we confuse what we're able to accomplish with what the Holy Spirit wants to do. Listen, this room is full of people who have talents. I want to suggest to you that we can utilize those talents without the Holy Spirit. And when we utilize talents without the Holy Spirit, what we do and what is accomplished is explainable. Here's what I'm saying to you. We can put together a pretty good church here without the Holy Spirit. I think it's happening all over the country. We can, we can go to church seminars. We can have... We can have the best videos, we can have the best music, we can have the best speakers, we can have the best greeters, we can have the best programs, we can have the best plan and the best strategy and the best building and the best sound system, and we can do all of that without the Holy Spirit. And we can fill up this auditorium without the Holy Spirit. We can fill up this auditorium three, four, five times every single weekend. And people can come and they can go, I feel so loved here and I, I feel so accepted here. And man, I sense the Spirit of the Lord here. And, and they can leave 
And we can do all of that without the Holy Spirit because we have a room full of talented people. And when someone comes and they say, man, how did you, how did you build this great church? We can say, well, we, we, went to, uh, we went to some seminars and we learned what some other people were doing and what was working for them. And we came back and we implemented some of those things. And, and we get up and we encourage our people every week and we sing wonderful songs about God and His Spirit. And we begin to explain how we built this great church. But I don't want to do that. I want the Spirit to work. I want the Spirit to accomplish what He wants to accomplish in me and through me and in you and through you. And I would love to fill this building three or four times every weekend, four or five times every weekend, and I would love to see people come and people's lives incredibly transformed. And I would love for people to say, how did you do that? How did you build that incredible church? And I want to be able to say, I don't know. It was God. It's not explainable. Folks, that is exactly what's available to us. It's that kind of power. It's a power that He wants to use in our lives to transform each of us as individuals and to transform your family and to transform your your career and to transform this church and this community and this world. And he wants to do that not through us being able to explain it, but having to turn our faces and heads toward heaven and say, we can't explain it. It's unexplainable. It's obviously a God thing. I want to show you exactly what I mean. The last couple of weeks, we've looked at John chapter 13 and John chapter 14 and John chapter 15 and And the basis of it is that Jesus has told those who He loves so dearly and that love Him so much, I'm going away, and their hearts became troubled. And He he explained to them how how they can address that troubling heart and that their hearts need not be troubled. And He explained to them that even in difficult times that God is at work and He's He's involved in their life and He's molding them and shaping them. And He explained to them that the key to living was abiding in Him and to being with Him and living with Him and being enveloped by Him and allowing Him to consume us. And all throughout this teaching, and you see John 14, 15, and 16, it's all Jesus. It's all Jesus, except for some questions that come up from the disciples. It's all red letters. And through the course of this, he begins to introduce them to a gift that they would receive. He calls it the Spirit of Truth. He he, he calls Him the Spirit of Truth. He calls Him the Comforter. He calls Him the Guide. And He's promising them, you're going to receive this gift. You're going to experience the reality of of my presence in your lives. It's going to be the thing that changes everything. As a matter of fact, He says in John chapter 16 and verse 7, I tell you the truth, he says to the disciples, and he says to us this morning, Jesus speaks to us and he says, it is to your advantage that I go away. 
If I don't go away, the Helper will not come to you, but if I go, I will send Him. This is just another incident of this incredible promise, but listen to what He says. It's good for you that I'm going away. It's good for you that I'm leaving. It's only going to get better from this point on. If I said to you today, Jesus is here today, flesh and blood, he's going to be sitting down here on the front row, and and we're going to have a time of worship, and then he's going to get up, and he's going to come and speak to y'all, I imagine that you would overflow with excitement. What he's saying to us is, no, 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 no. I got something better than that. We need to receive that. We need to believe that. That the gift of the Holy Spirit that indwells every believer is better than if Jesus was here, here in flesh and blood in person. It's hard for us to accept. But what he gives us is is a man who stands before you this morning who's full of the Holy Spirit. Who he speaks through. And just as important as that, we've got people that are sitting here in this auditorium who have the Holy Spirit in them. And words that are are offered and words that are presented and lessons and truths, the Holy Spirit who is alive inside of you, He takes that and He applies it to your life and you begin, you, you, you resonate with what Jesus is teaching because the Holy Spirit inside of you is taking that and saying, here's where I want to use that. Here's how I want to change you. Here's the power that's involved in all of that. Jesus says it's good for you. It's to your advantage. It's better that I go away because I'm going to send you the Spirit. And then I turn over to Acts chapter 1. John 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. It continues on and we know that Jesus is arrested and goes through a series of trials that He's beaten. That He's hung on a cross and that He dies. And that on the third day He's raised from the dead. But the story doesn't end there. He doesn't ascend at that time to heaven to sit at the right hand of the Father. No, he walks around and there's things that he wants to share and he continues to teach. I would say that in the event that someone is raised from the dead in order to continue to teach, that what he has to say is really, really important. Here's one of the things that he said. It's in Acts chapter 1, verse 4. Now, while staying with them, this is after his resurrection, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you've heard about this from me. For John baptized with water, but you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. They thought back about the time that they were baptized. They were immersed. And what Jesus is telling them is, I want you to hold on, be patient, it's just a few days now, it's not going to be long, you're going to be immersed with this gift that I've been telling you about, you're going to be immersed, you're going to be full, it's going to be all over you, this, this Holy Spirit, he says to them, wait, wait for it. I don't want you to go out and tell people about me, not yet, you don't have power Wait for the Spirit. He goes on. He says, 
So when, so when they had come together, the, 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 the disciples said, Lord, now is, is this the time? Will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, that's not for you to know. It's not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own, own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses. In Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. He's saying, look, don't change the subject. This is important. I want you to focus. I'm talking about a power here. A power that, that you're going to need to do the things that I've called you to do. Focus on this. You can't be my witnesses unless you have this power. You can't do without it. Then we turn over to Acts chapter 2. And beginning in the first verse, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. It filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They received the Holy Spirit just as Jesus had promised. And immediately, you know what happened? The unexplainable. There was nobody that could look at what was happening and go, I can do that. We can mimic that. We can copy that. We can go to a seminar and learn how to do that. All of a sudden, the unexplainable happens. The Scripture goes on. Now, where, where they were, were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men, religious men, from every nation under heaven. And at this sound... The multitude came together. They were bewildered. Why? It's unexplainable. They had no answer for this, no reasoning for this, because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. They were amazed and astonished. And they said, Are not all of these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? They're blown away. They're amazed. They're astonished. They're bewildered. Hey, 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 hey. That guy's speaking Arabic. I can understand what he's saying. Another guy. Mamma mia, he's speaking Italian. I understand. Or, hable espanol. ¿Qué pasa? The point of, the, the, uh, of this is, is that here's a group of people, about 40, who were filled with the Spirit, empowered by the Spirit, in, in, controlled by the Spirit. The supernatural begins to happen through them. The unexplainable happens. It draws a crowd who's interested in knowing what's going on. How are you doing that? 
We're astonished. We're bewildered. Acts chapter 2, verse 36. Here's what Peter says to these bewildered, astonished witnesses. Let all of the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you have crucified. Do you remember not long ago uh, that man that hung on the cross, that, that, that Jesus, you participated in his crucifixion. Well, I want you to know that that Jesus was Messiah, that that Jesus was the Son of God, that that Jesus was the Savior of the world. The crowd gathered. They want to know what's going on. Peter's explanation is, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. And when they heard this, verse 37, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized for every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You want what we have. You're attracted to what we have. You're drawn to what we have. You're amazed by what we have. You can have it too. It's found in the person of Jesus. He's the Son of God. He's the one who forgives sins. He's the one who transforms lives. Here's what you need to do. You need to turn from your religion. You need to turn from your way. You need to turn from what you've been doing. And you need to turn to Jesus, who is the one who can forgive sins. And you need to get baptized. And when you repent and you're baptized, you'll receive this same gift. Now look, I, I, I study this a whole afternoon. Baptized, baptized, baptized. Man, we don't talk about that much either. And I want to be perfectly clear, baptism does not make you a Christian. And the Bible is also clear that when one becomes a believer, that one becomes a Christian, the Holy Spirit indwells them. But I think that, that, that what we can take from this, first, number one, baptism is important. It's important because it's a, it's a sign, it's an outward sign that not only are you receiving Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're receiving Him as your Lord. And here's what I want to tell you. I believe with all my heart that though while you may receive the Holy Spirit and He might live inside of you, if Jesus isn't your Savior and your Lord, there's no power there. He's got to be Lord of your life, Master. It's this kind of relationship where, 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 where we have a heart for doing what He calls us to do. We just want to be obedient to Him. It's the opposite of waking up in the morning and saying, what am I going to do today? Here's what I'm going to do today. It's the opposite of, uh, of that. It's, it, it's waking up and saying, good morning, Lord. Thank you for a good night's sleep. Thank you for being with me. Thank you for saving me. What do you want me to do today? That's Lord. And until we reach that place, we can't experience the empowering Holy Spirit that indwells every believer. Repent and be baptized. You can have what we have, the Holy Spirit. 
power to do the unexplainable. All right, look. I got to hurry. Yeah, that's not good. Listen. The easy thing to do from this point on would be to say to you, don't you want this power? Don't you want God to do the supernatural, the unexplainable through you? Well, here's what you do. You need to admit that you need the Holy Spirit. You need to turn your life over to Him. You need to ask for forgiveness. And, and you need to ask Him to fill you with His Spirit. And He's promised that He would do that. And He, he will fill you with His Spirit. Now, thank Him for that and leave here full of the Holy Spirit. Listen, I've preached that message before. And I have found that there's got to be something that's deeper than that. There's got to be something, a step there, that before we, before we begin to expect and anticipate this supernatural movement that God does through us because of His Holy Spirit in us, man, there's some things that, that have to be addressed. Will, who my son in his Bible class, he had to memorize Romans chapter 8. Verses 1 through 15. And so in the course of helping him memorize that verse, I've been saying those verses to him over and over and over and over again for four or five weeks. And when I began to say, Holy Spirit, I know that there's something that, about the Holy Spirit that, that we're not teaching, that we've got to teach. I found it in those verses. You can turn over to Romans chapter 8. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to... Uh, Begin in verse, in verse 8. Verse 8 says, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. And then verse 9. You, however, are not in the flesh but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, does the Spirit of God dwell in every believer? Well, it says in this verse, Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. There's no such thing as a Christian and a Christian with the Spirit. It says clearly in this verse that if you have the Spirit, you belong to Him. If you don't have the Spirit, you don't belong to Him. If you are a believer, if you are a Christian, you possess the Holy Spirit. He indwells you. Now look, I'm going to admit to you that this room is full of, it's not full, but there's more than a few people in this room who think you're a Christian and you're not. I've got to say that to you. I think we can see it in, in some of these verses that follow. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But if Christ is in you, Although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit of life is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him, listen, who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Verse 12, so then brothers, we have an obligation. We're debtors. What is a debtor? It's someone who has an obligation to someone else. He's saying, listen, the Spirit of Christ lives in you. You have a choice, life or death. There's this epic, brutal, bloody battle going on. Will you choose the flesh or will you choose the Spirit? Those who choose the Spirit, that's life. 
Those who choose the flesh, that's death. It's a fight to the death. It's two who are battling out and only one survives and only one walks away. And what Paul is telling us here is if you have the Spirit, if the Spirit of God is in you, you can have victory. And you can operate from a position of victory. You can fight from a position of victory. The victory's been won. That's what the Holy Spirit gives us. He gives us the power to have the victory. He goes on and he says, so then, brothers and sisters, we, we have this obligation, and it's not to the flesh. This is the getting up in the morning saying, what do I want to do today? What are my desires? Our obligation is to live according to the Spirit. Those who live according to the flesh is death. Verse 13, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. Look, the Spirit of God does not live inside of you. He's talking about spiritual death here. But I know of a time in my life when the Spirit of God lived inside of me because He was a witness to me. That there was nothing in my life that, that resembled a relationship with Him. There certainly was no fruit. But man... I knew he was there because he kept saying, Dale, I love you. What are you doing? I want you back. Dale, I want you to, 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 to I want to bring, bring alive that spirit that indwells you. I was losing the battle. And so I believe that there's an application here for, for, for those believers who sit here this morning. And your life's no different than anybody else's. It's not different from the guy next door. As a matter of fact, he might be more friendly than you. He might be more forgiving than you. He may have more joy than you. He might be more patient than you. There's this battle going on. It doesn't have to be that way. The power that the Spirit gives us gives us victory so that we can display these incredible gifts that are supernatural, that are unexplainable, that draws people. Love, joy, peace. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. You do not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoptions of, as sons by whom we call, call out Abba, Father. The Holy Spirit gives you, here's what I'm saying. The thing that holds us back from experiencing the power, the thing that holds us back from the power being unleashed through us is there are things in our life that we refuse to deal with. There's, it's sin. It's things that it's displeasing to God. And we have all kinds of excuses for that. This is the way I was raised. There's nothing I can do about that. This is who I am. I'm going to have to live with this. And what Paul is saying here to us and what Jesus is trying to get us to see in this power of the Holy Spirit is, no, victory has been won over that. If you see a, a sin in my life, please don't come up to me and put your arms around me and go, you know, I understand. It's going to be okay. This is probably because of, you know, you didn't have a great dad and, it, 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 no, don't do that. I would rather you go, come on, Dale, you're a man of God and the Spirit lives within you and there's power that Spirit and you can put that sin to death. You can have victory over that. 
and you can live full of His power and of His Spirit. We have victory. It's been won. That's the way we have to live. I think what I'm saying to you this morning, first I want to say that, 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 that this issue re- requires much more attention from us. This, this idea of, of the Spirit within us giving us victory to live out this life. We've got to talk about that some more. And I don't know exactly what the women are going to be talking about Saturday night at 6 o'clock, but I bet it has something to do with this. I bet it has something to do with overcoming fear. I bet it has something to do with living a victorious life. And this is it. That's the key to it right there. I think that what I'm saying to you is that before we can ask God to do the supernatural, the unexplainable through us in this community, that there are individuals in this room who need to do business with God on a one-on-one, personal, eyeball-to-eyeball basis. And you need to say, I've been struggling with this. This has is, this is weighed me down. This has held me back. But if your word is true, you'll give me victory over this. I, I want to rid my life of this. Why, why wouldn't we do that? Well, one, to lack of knowledge. You know, you just don't know that that resource is available to you, that that power is available to you, that the Holy Spirit who indwells you is there. I think maybe one is fear. Good gracious, if the Spirit controls my life, what's my life going to look like? What, what, what's uh, uh, what's going to happen to me? Am I going to turn into a Jesus freak? I mean, I'm not sure that I'm ready for that. You take a step of faith. Allow the Holy Spirit to control your life. The Bible says that He does not give us a spirit of fear. He'll transform your life. He'll change the way you treat your wife. He'll change the way you raise your children. He'll change the way you go to work, what you do at work. He'll change you. He'll transform you. I I think maybe another reason that we don't avail ourselves of this incredible resource, that we don't live in the supernatural, that we don't live in the power of the Holy Spirit, is we don't believe God will do that. I I know that there's probably some people in here and say, Dale, you better be careful because you're making some big promises. What if it doesn't happen? What if it doesn't work? You don't really believe God can transform your life like that. You don't really believe that you can have victory. It's been bought and paid for. If you've by faith received the forgiveness that only Jesus can give, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you and you have the power to overcome. You're an overcomer. He can transform your life. Here's the biggest reason, though. Because we're self-sufficient. Gets right down to it. We don't need that power. We got talents. We've been, we, we, we can get along just fine. We have gotten along just fine. And let me tell you as clearly as I know how to tell you, until you come to the end of yourself, you'll never experience the power of the Holy Spirit that indwells you. And everything you do in your life will simply be an explainable thing. There will be nothing supernatural about it. It won't be God doing it. You've got to come to the end of yourself. 
you got to be at a place where you say, I desperately need you. I could talk for another 30 minutes about how those who refuse to go to that place, that sometimes God intervenes and He makes you go to that place. Don't do that. I want you to pray. I want us to have a prayer time. Three things come to my mind. The first thing is the person who's sitting in this room and you thought you were a believer, but it's been made clear to you that you're not. Your life's never been transformed. I read a blog from Piper this past week, and it simply said this, I know I'm a Christian, not because I can remember a, a conversion experience in the past, but because I love Jesus. But that's not relatable to you. You, you, don't, you know, which too many people who come and they, they say, you know what, I can use a little bit of God in my life. And that's not what this is about. It'd be nice to be able to access some power now and then because, you know, there's some tough times that, and I'd like to be able to, that's not what this is about. And so I believe that there are those who can relate with that, and I, I, I want you to pray. You say, what do we do? Repent and be baptized. Believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that He died for your sins that He died in your place and received the penalty He paid for your sins into your life. Receive His work on the cross into your life. But you can't just make Him Savior. I'm going to turn my life over to you, Jesus. I want to be a follower of you. I want to follow you. You can do that this morning. I would love it if you'd come and take me by the hand and say, you know, I thought I was, but I wasn't, and I want to get that straight right now. I would love it if you'd do that. The second prayer that I, that I think I would ask you to pray is for the many, many, many who are in this room. Folks, I've experienced this. I know how to play the part. I know how to do that. And there is a distinct difference, a day and night difference in allowing the Holy Spirit to control you and playing the part. I've gotten up here and I've spoke to you without the power of the Holy Spirit before. I know. I know what that's about. I know what it means to rely on, on talent or, and instead of the Holy Spirit. I know. You can go through the rest of your life like that. But there's a battle that's taking place in you. You can choose life which is in the Spirit or you can choose death which is in the flesh. But you have been given the power of the Holy Spirit if in fact He indwells you. To choose life. And that's the prayer. I want to choose life. Does it mean you'll be perfect from here on out? No. No. This is a battle that, that continues on. In Ephesians 5 where it says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's the, it's the, that filled is a verb that says this is a constant thing. It's a constant thing. It's a constant thing. Continually be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be empowered by the Holy Spirit. But you have the victory. It's yours today if you want it. And here's the third prayer request. Would you pray that God would pour out His Spirit on this church? That this would be a Spirit-filled church? That this would be a church led by the Spirit? That unexplainable things would happen so that we could give glory to God? 
that the supernatural would happen. We can keep playing church. I don't want that. I don't want to be- live beneath what has been bought and paid for, for me, for you, for us, for this community. Would you stand? I know it's late. I know we don't have a lot of time. I know we have a service that starts in 30 minutes. But I want to invite you to come and pray. Just come to the front and pray. One of those three things applies to you. One of those three things is personal to you. One of those three things is a part of your life and where you're at in your life right now. God, save me. God, control me. God, pour your spirit out on this church. Have your will and way in every heart and life, I beg you, Lord. Amen.